0: Plus, special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Digging out embracing for more. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mark Webster. Like real estate, the weather you're experiencing recently is all about location, location, location. Yesterday, some areas stayed just warm enough for mostly rain. Others just cold enough for a mix. Others still heavy, wet snow, like northeast corner of PA, where Forest City got close to a foot of it. They snowed plenty in Utica, New York, too. Mayor Robert Palmari. Be mindful of the weather. We've been here before, but it changes rapidly. We're seeing the weather, the winds. Be mindful of your neighbors. Be respectful to the plows that are out there. More snow falling in central New York today, but WIVB meteorologist Mike Syka says Metro Buffalo and suburbs just south of there are going to wind up the big snow winners this weekend, thanks to Lake Effect. By later on Saturday, we're getting up maybe close to 8 to 12 inches across parts of the metro. We're going to tack on more on top of that for the snow that comes down Saturday night and particularly into Sunday. More than 20,000 and people lost power in New York and PA yesterday. New York Governor Kathy Hochul. The scariest thing for a mom with little kids, as happened to me, is to be sitting there with no heat in your house in the middle of winter. So we're watching for that. We have utility crews all set already on the ground, ready to respond as quickly as possible. Driving has been plenty dicey in areas. Doug McAvoy with Camelot Auto Service in East Rochester says... Stay away from
1: everybody. Okay, don't tailgate. Yeah. Don't
0: let anybody tailgate on you. Get away from them. This is no time to be out there on the road with a vehicle that isn't up to snuff.
1: Make sure all your lights are working. Make sure your wipers are in good condition. You've got to be able to see and they've got to be able to see you. Yeah,
0: but no matter how careful you might drive, a car winter emergency kit is still essential.
1: And it had a sleeping bag in there. It had boots. It had a shovel. I put new fresh batteries in the flashlight, extra fresh batteries every year, energy bars, water,
0: kitty litter. Meteorologist Kevin Williams says we won't be out of the woods from this winter weather anytime soon either.
1: we we'll wait to see for the potential of a major storm late next week, just before Christmas.
0: Buffalo's predicted lake effect will get more national attention tomorrow night from the Bills with their home game against the Miami Dolphins in Orchard Park. WGRZ meteorologist Elise Smith says the players and fans are going to have to deal with more than snow, too.
2: When the Dolphins come to town, they're going to be facing temperatures in the mid to upper 20s. Factor in a southwesterly breeze that at times could gust up to 30 miles per hour, that is going to add a significant wind chill.
0: This storm system generating all of our snow, ice, and rain has been impressive in its power and immensity. In Nebraska, they're just now reopening sections of I-80 where blizzard conditions shut it down for days. Danielle John's a plow driver out that way.
2: The heavier the snow, the harder it is to push. You knock down mailboxes just with throwing the snow. So, you know, it's like a brick.
0: And in the south, the storm will be remembered for a rare and deadly December tornado outbreak. And the destruction here in Marrero, just west of New New Orleans overwhelming, ripping apart this house, pulling bleachers from a middle school field and throwing them for several blocks. NBC's Jay Gray in Louisiana, three people died from those twisters. Keeping an eye on Wall Street today. That's another big story. A big sell-off yesterday with recession fears clearly in the air.
2: The day after the Federal Reserve raised short-term interest rates by a half of a percentage point, investors sold stocks. With rates this high, the fear is that consumers
0: and businesses will pull back. CBS business analyst Jill Schlesinger. A federal judge's ruling won't let the Biden administration and former President Trump's Remain in Mexico policy. The 2019 policy forces those seeking asylum in the U.S to wait in Mexico until their cases are heard, including those who aren't from Mexico. Ohio Republican James Jordan says the whole border mess reeks of ulterior motives by the Biden administration. I think it's been intentional the whole way because you can't have the record numbers we've had and not be intentional. You can't have a secretary of Homeland Security who comes in front of Congress and tells us the border's secure, and now you have this, this situation that we've seen now. Well, let's go to social media. Still using TikTok? Maybe you shouldn't be.
3: TikTok should be banned, and uh, anybody who has an app for TikTok on their on their cell phone or on their computer should erase it.
0: Senator John Cornyn of Texas, a bill to ban the popular social media app from all federal devices is before the House after Senate passage over national security concerns. Now to Ukraine. Russia launching a huge missile attack on that country today, hitting more critical infrastructures in several cities, including Kiev. The BBC's Hugo Pachega.
3: The Ukrainians have been accusing Moscow of weaponizing Winter with those attacks, targeting critical infrastructure, leaving mean meme- Millions of people across the country without electricity, without heating,
2: without water.
0: The attack interrupted water supplies throughout the capital. A firearm industry trade group says more and more first-time buyers are women. Nineteen-year-old Tracy Barhill is one of them. She says it's a concession to the times in which we live. I'm young. I'm a girl. I never know when a threat's going to come. Instructor Beverly Aldridge says there's a noticeable difference between her male and female students. Women listen better than men do. And finally, a bizarre incident at a hotel in Germany today. 264,000
2: gallons of water and more than 1,000 tropical fish spilled out into the lobby of a Radisson hotel and onto the street. Two people were slightly injured. All the fish died. Officials say unusually cold temperatures may have cracked the glass.
0: CBS's Debbie Rodriguez. Still to come on the noon report, good news in the search for a missing Western New York college student. New York's AG on the other end of a lawsuit and an update on some lingering Pennsylvania primaries.
1: Well, good afternoon to all. I'm Kevin Williams, still tracking some snow falling across parts of the area this afternoon. For you, raindrops in the mix as Well, over the weekend, we turn our attention to Lake Stowe's. Forecast details are coming up. We'll see you in 10.
0: The man of the hour, Kevin Williams. Now checking the stories, making news where you live in New York and Pennsylvania, a U.S. college student from Western New York found safe overseas. Yes, yeah, St. John Fisher University student Kendo Jr. has been spotted in Spain. His dad sharing the news with reporters today. French prosecutor Eric Valian tells CNN the Rochester student who went missing while studying in France is now somewhere in Spain. No word yet on the specific location or or exactly what the 22-year-old student has been doing for the past two weeks. Tracy Lynn, Family Life News. Thanks, Tracy. Firefighting's hard enough in fair weather, but flames brought firefighters out in harsh conditions in a trio of upstate New York locations yesterday. One of them was the southern-tier community of Owego, Kempville Assistant Fire Chief Doc Khobar.
3: got up here, they realized it was a structure fire. When our uh, chief officers and other people got up here, realized what we had and uh, immediately started an exterior fire suppression.
0: Volunteer companies have it tougher still when they don't have a hydrant system to hook up to. It's a headache
4: um, because we have to transport all our water. If we're lucky if we have a pond close by we can draft from. Um, but on a road as tight as this is difficult.
0: A home also went up in flames last night in the Ontario County town of Hopewell. The sheriff's department there says when its deputies responded, they saw flames visible on the first floor of the house. They later spread throughout the structure, causing significant damage before firefighters were able to douse the fire. No injuries reported. And a two-alarm blaze damaged a home on North Arch Street in Johnson City, New York, last night. Broome County Dispatch says the first alarm came in just before 6 at 74 North Arch. A second alarm sounded a short time later. A former aide for New York attorney General Tish James has filed a lawsuit alleging James covered up sexual harassment and assault allegations against her chief of staff ahead of her re-election in November. 33-year-old Sophia Quintanar and another employee accused chief of staff Ibrahim Khan of sexual misconduct a month before the election. Khan resigned on November 22nd during an investigation into the charges though James's office did not announce his resignation until her office concluded the allegations were credible on December 2nd. who accuses James of making misleading statements to the press that he was on vacation or with a sick relative when he was actually suspended for two months pending an investigation into the claims, also claims that James in 2019 allowed a press office deputy to quietly resign under similar circumstances. Brandon Dixon, Family Life News. Thank you, Brandon. Several groups speaking out against Planned Parenthood receiving anti-violence funds from the city of Rochester, New York.
5: Planned Parenthood does not qualify by four small, non They receive half a billion dollars in taxpayer money from the federal
3: government, and that does not include state funding or Medicaid funding that they also receive.
0: Daniel Tomlinson with Compass Care Pregnancy Services. Folks from an array of groups gathered Thursday at Rochester City Hall to speak out. Well, it's a laughing matter, you might say. Comedian Amy Poehler of SNL fame has joined the National Comedy Center's Advisory Board of Directors. Rick! Rick! Can I have a sip of your soda for sustenance? No. Uh-huh. The Jamestown, New York-based museum announcing Thursday that the actress, writer, producer, and director will help guide the center's mission to present the vital story of comedy. Pennsylvania now. The House Republican's leader is seeking to wait until the May primary before holding special elections in a pair of vacant districts. The filing of election paperwork by Republican leader Brian Cutler is the latest move in a power struggle over control of the nearly evenly divided chamber. Democrats won barely enough votes in November to reclaim the majority. But one of their successful candidates died of cancer in October, and two others have just resigned after being elected to Congress and as lieutenant governor. Cutler has sued over Democratic leader Joanna McClinton's decision to file separate paperwork seeking to hold all three contests on February the 7th. Terry Deener. Family Life News. All right, thanks, Terry. And finally, memories of a defunct discount store might be making a comeback of sorts. Family Life's Brian Query explains.
5: Many of us probably remember Hill's department stores, the discount retailer once located in Pennsylvania, New York, and throughout the Northeast. Besides their toy selection and catchy jingles, one of Hill's most memorable features was the smell that hit you when you first entered the store. Popcorn, pretzels, cherry slush puppies, it was the Hill's snack bar. And one Pennsylvania man is revitalizing this retail relic with a food truck Truck featuring all of the Hills snack bar favorites. Jason Powell's goal is to take the truck to former locations of Hills stores starting in western Pennsylvania. When asked what his favorite Hills memory was, Powell said... The snack bar. Of course, buying those pretzels and getting that popcorn and the glory days. Hills was where the toys were and now Powell is hoping his food truck will be where the new Hills memories will be made. Brian query Family Life News.
0: Uh, yes, remember Hills well. All right, that brings us to a
2: check of sports. Here's Randy. Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Mark, the San Francisco 49ers are division champs for the first time since 2019. After knocking off Seattle last night, 21-13, the Niners have now won seven in a row. On the ice, all of our regional teams were victorious in Denver. Cage Thompson had a goal and two assists. Buffalo took down Colorado four to two. In New York, the Blue Shirts won their fifth straight, beating Toronto three to one. Jimmy Vesey found the back of the net twice for the Rangers. The Penguins keep on rolling, or should I say waddling. Pittsburgh won their seventh straight. This one four to two over Florida. Chris Letang, Evgeny Malkin, and Jake Gunsell all scoring. Gensel netting two goals, and the. The Flyers went into New Jersey and came out with a hard-fought 2-1 victory. Carter Hart made a whopping 48 saves. That ties a career high for him. Scott Lawton and Travis Konecki both scored in the win. Other winners on the ice, LA, Carolina, Anaheim, Tampa Bay, Dallas, Winnipeg, Vegas, and St. Louis. To the NBA, Steph Curry gonna miss a couple of weeks with his shoulder injury. Big blow to Golden State. The Warriors gonna be hard pressed to find some wins. Miami, Memphis, Utah, and Phoenix all did win last night. And a big splash again from the New York Yankees. Carlos Rodon is coming to the Bronx and it looks like he's going to be sticking around for a while. He signed with the Yanks for six years, $162 million. Tell you, that gives New York a bona fide stellar top of the rotation between Garrett Cole, Rodon, and Nestor Cortez. That is a look at sports.
0: All right. Thank you, Randy. Still to come on The Noon Report, what were the biggest news events of the year in New York and Pennsylvania? Lots of possibilities there. Jason McGuire with New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Michael Gere with the Pennsylvania Family Institute
5: tackle their top fives just ahead. Welcome to Breakpoint. Before we talk about a particularly troubling ceremony at the White House this past week, I want to remind you that Breakpoint and these Breakpoint commentaries are only made possible by the generosity and the prayer of people like you. So please keep us in mind, as you give this Christmas season. Here's today's Breakpoint. This past Tuesday at a ceremony hosted at the White House, President Biden signed into law the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. The president used a lengthy speech delivered beforehand to soundly denounce any and all challenges to any and all aspects of LGBTQ ideology and activism. Specifically in a particularly striking display of anti-reason President Biden condemned opposition to sterilizing, castrating, or permanently wounding children with gender dysphoria as being akin to racism and anti-Semitism. Unless anyone should miss the aim of this new law, as more than a few voices from mainstream evangelicalism clearly did, the administration invited a non-binary drag artist to celebrate, someone who often dances seductively in front of children. And for anyone still in the dark, the White House then was lit up in the liturgical rainbow of colors that represent the new sacralized sexuality. The Christians and the conservatives who dismissed all concerns over what this bill really means, who claimed that it represented nothing new and contained all of the conscience protections that people of faith could possibly hope for, well, these folks should take a hard look at what the new law's strongest advocates think that it means. This law does not protect a pluralist society. It is more than a symbolic victory for the new sexual orthodoxy. It enshrines in law an ideology of human nature that would have been unthinkable just a few years ago, even among the far left. It further establishes a category of recently invented rights, which will make it only harder to protect children in the future. It also means social exile and legal limbo for anyone who dissents, as the president foreshadowed anyone who claims that human nature is real, that marriage is between a man and a woman, will be class along with the racists and the bigots of history. To strengthen his case, President Biden repeated the now discredited talking point that the murders at the Club Q in Colorado Springs were birthed from opposition to the LGBTQ agenda. He connected that violence with state laws designed to protect kids from chemical castration and surgical amputation of healthy body parts, though similar restrictions are now becoming increasingly common across Europe. Anyone who supports such protections, the president claimed, is driven by hate. In his own words, quote, folks, racism, antisemitism, homophobia, transphobia, they're all connected. But the antidote to hate is love. This law and the love it defends strike a blow against hate in all of its forms, end quote. Now his remarks relied on a vagueness typical of these talking points, which conflate opponents of the current program with bigotry of all sorts. Note his appeal to a nebulous love as an anecdote to a nebulous hate. Positioning one side as love and the other as hate while employing the common and similarly not defined suffix phobia to a whole host of words, the president departed from rational conversation. After all, people who are phobic are so motivated by hate and fear that logic is beyond them. This absolves anyone else from trying to persuade or convince haters with reason or argument using these tactics, which the president deployed, Others are either evil beyond redemption or sick and in need of quarantine, both for their sake and for ours. See, all of that's part of the cultural mood that goes along with all of the talk these days about stochastic terrorism. According to this theory, it doesn't matter if you ever called for violence or if an act of violence had anything at all to do with you whatsoever, you can still be guilty. And by linking opposition to this particular law to rightly ostracize ideas like racism, advocates like the president are setting the stage for leveraging hate crimes legislation and other cultural tools to criminalize dissent in the future. For those who assured us otherwise, this is a step beyond what Obergefell v. Hodges imposed. In that opinion, Justice Kennedy assured us that good people could disagree. On Tuesday, the president assured us that no good person could disagree. As confusing as all of this might be, this leap into non-reason does afford the church with an unexpected opportunity. As much as we hear that gender is a social construct and Christianity just a fad, It's the new sexual orthodoxy that's rooted in nothing but a construct. The faith of our fathers, on the other hand, that's solid ground. And Christianity is an accurate representation of the nature of reality. As much as our watching world may want to deny that they live in God's creation, His world's the only one that's available. So at some point, their bad ideas will fail. At some point, all good things will show themselves to be His artistry. At some point, the air-breathed, even by God's critics, will be revealed as rooted in truths about life that the church has always taught. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Dr. Timothy Padgett. For more resources to live in this cultural moment, go to colsoncenter.org.
1: Wet snow continuing across central New York. to be another inch or two there. Elsewhere, cloudy with some bits of wet snow and some sprinkles. Temperatures nearly steady. Lake snow kicks in late tonight east of Lake Erie. Otherwise, clouded with some flurries tonight. Low jumps, 20s and low 30s. For the weekend, intervals of clouds, the sun with flurries. Heavy lake snows, though, east of Lake Erie and Ontario, including Metro Buffalo, as well as Oswego, Oneida and Lewis counties. There, accumulations could exceed a foot. Elsewhere, just scattered flurries. Weekend high temperatures mainly in the 30s. Alright,
0: thank you, Kevin. I'm Mark Webster. Thanks again for joining us you're listening to the noon report on family life
4: And welcome back to a special edition of Capital Connection. It's our 2022 year in review with Michael Gere at the Pennsylvania Family Institute and Jason McGuire with New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Gentlemen, we're going to take a walk down memory lane today, revisit the top five stories the past 12 months from Albany and Harrisburg. What were the issues and events that mattered? most that shaped our lives in 2022? We're going to ping pong back and forth, and Jason, since we started with you in 2021, we'll begin with Michael this year. Uh, Mr. Gear. your fifth biggest story of the year and
3: why. Well, I think what I would uh, list as a fifth biggest story for Pennsylvania this year is the opioid crisis and overdose deaths that have been devastating our state. In the 11 years of the Vietnam conflict, 3,412 Pennsylvanians lost their lives. That was over 11 years. We surpassed that number just in 2022 alone in overdose deaths by September. Wow. And uh, that's just tragic. And I guess I would tie into that as well as the crime crisis in our state with uh, murders going through the roof in places like Philadelphia.
4: Yeah, drugs and crime kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Yes. Uh, Jason, your fifth biggest story in New York State this year.
6: Yeah, I could almost piggyback off of Michael's there as we're seeing similar things in New York, but I'm going to go in a little different direction. Listeners will remember there was that Topps supermarket massacre that occurred here. Here in New York. That led to a chain reaction of actions. One, just the tragedy of that situation, the reminder that racism is real and that there is evil in people's hearts. We saw that on display on that day. But then the ensuing actions that occurred here in New York, where Governor Kathy Hochul in a special session of the legislature looked to further curtail Second Amendment rights, impacting even houses of worship in this state. And our organization is leading a court action challenging that law.
4: Yeah, let's stay in Albany. Uh, so many major stories this year. Jason, what was your fourth biggest story of the year? I think that would be the vaccine and
6: mask debates and all that has been occurring around that issue. We forget that it was only in March of this year that the school mask mandate was lifted and that there was pressure during the legislative session to pass a vaccine mandate for schools. The irony is is that even though it's now so many months away, those calls are renewing again. And it could be in 2023 that we'll see renewed calls for both masking mandates and that vaccine mandate for school attendance.
4: Let's head on down to Harry. Harrisburg, Michael, your fourth biggest story of the year.
3: Well, my pick for number four is uh, the elections generally. The Fetterman-Oz race gained national notoriety. We also have had a very unconventional governor's race. And then the surprise apparent flip of the Pennsylvania House, which we now see as turning that whole place into a big mess.
4: All right, two down, three to go. Jason McGuire at New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, your third biggest story of 2022.
6: Yeah, I'm going to stay in the same vein and go with the midterm election results. In New York, you often think that your vote doesn't matter, but it did this time in this state. There are still races being decided. They're as close as three votes apart, so not all races are called. But really, the red wave that missed most of the nation did lap up on the shores of the Empire State. Yeah. Uh, we saw that there were gains made in Congress, and so uh, the Republican Party picked up some seats there, and and that is going to make a difference in who holds
3: the majority coming into the new year.
4: All right, number three on your list, Michael?
3: For me, number three is Governor Wolf skirting the legislature and sort of flaunting his role as the executive, specifically in terms of adding sexual orientation and gender identity to the state human relations code. And uh, the governor could never get that through uh, the legislature. So instead, through executive order, they've enacted it. And that's going to uh, portend negative things for religious liberty in our state.
4: All right. If you're just joining us, this is a special edition of Capital Connection, our year in review, special reports, the top five news issues slash events from uh, the past 12 months in New York and Pennsylvania. And what a year it has been. We've done three, two more to go. Uh, let's stay in Harrisburg for this one. Michael Gear. your second biggest story of the year.
3: Well, I think last year at this time, I called 2021 the year of the parent, detailing how parental rights had come to the forefront in both policy and political activism in school settings and beyond. And I see that again this year as moms and dads engage fighting against the transgender agenda, CRT, and the sexualization of children in our culture and class. So I would say parental involvement uh, has been very significant, continuing in uh, 2022.
4: Jason, your second biggest story in New York this year.
6: Yeah, it was a national story. I mean, it was hard to ignore the fact that Roe v. Wade was overturned. But then it had great impact on New York and how it shaped public policy here. The governor came out declaring that God was on her side in the abortion debate. Uh, She stood in a church and began to dole out tens of millions of dollars to the abortion industry. legislation was passed to try to shore up so-called abortion rights rights in this state. And there was pro-life pushback as well. And so the battle lines were drawn between those life states and the anti-life states. And New York, sadly, is one of those that is shoring up Planned Parenthood rather than the pro-life position.
4: Uh, And here we are, folks. Drum roll, please. The biggest story of 2022 in New York and Pennsylvania. Michael Gere, what did you settle on this year?
3: Well, I agree with uh, Jason on the Roe versus Wade overturned by the Dobbs decision by the United States Supreme Court is our top story in Pennsylvania and, quite frankly, nationally. For 50 years, uh, the Roe v. Wade decision had imposed abortion on demand on all 50 states. Here in Pennsylvania, we had nearly 6,000 pro-life Pennsylvanians gather at the Capitol for the Pennsylvania March for Life in September, one of the largest rallies ever on the Capitol steps and the first post-Roe March for Life anywhere in the country. But, of course, the overturn of Roe was not the end of our fight for life. To quote Winston Churchill, it was the end of the beginning, the fight to protect innocent, unborn carries on. And it's hard to imagine a more noble effort for which we can engage.
4: Yeah, we just did our year in review as it pertains to the national landscape, and uh, a lot of us settled on that one as the top story of the year. Uh, and be very interesting, Jason, what you decided, based on what has transpired the past 12 months, was the biggest news event in New York.
6: Well, I thought of this issue in regard to how much ink was spent on this and how much time I've spent talking about the issue really in, in 2020. 22, and that's the crime wave across New York. And whether you're in a rural section of the state, suburbs, or urban areas crime is in everybody's minds, and there's something happening. Crime is shaking up things here in the Empire State.
4: All right. Crime in New York, the abortion issue in Pennsylvania, the biggest stories, according to Michael Gear and Jason McGuire. And uh, before we go, uh, this is our last show of the year. We just want you guys to take a look back and give us what you thought was the biggest legislative accomplishment at New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms in 2022.
6: Yeah, you know, our work is really about putting out fires. We can't advance a lot of good legislation. It's putting out the fires of bad legislation. And I think some of the mandates regarding the school vaccine mandates were a part of that. We had great success in blocking that. And I'll also say that the blocking assisted suicide was a significant victory here in the Empire State.
4: And the greatest legislative accomplishment at uh, Pennsylvania Family Institute in 2022.
3: I'm going to talk to you real quick here. First is uh, stopping the legalization of marijuana. We uh, continue that fight, but we stopped it uh, here in 2022, despite Fetterman and Wolf pushing it hard. And a positive Positive note, uh, also we uh, passed legislation uh, that is now law in Pennsylvania for homeschooling parents can choose to send their child to a public school class, for example, if they want high school chemistry or something. Now public schools will have to let those homeschoolers in for those singular classes.
4: All right. In both states, uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that. One state is getting a new governor and the other is going to get its first ever female governor elected to that office. So a lot to look ahead to in the year to come. What 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 do you think our listeners need to be paying attention to, Michael, as you look to
3: 2023... Well, again, the life issue is going to be front and center in Pennsylvania, because with the new governor coming in, Josh Shapiro, he sets a moderate tone in the way he kind of acts, but he's very radical on the issue of the sanctity of life. All right. And in
4: New York State, Jason, you get the final word. What should our listeners be paying attention to? What are you looking at as far as issues we'll be talking about in 2023? Well,
6: two things. First, I believe the legislature will attempt to uh, pass a constitutional amendment that would enshrine a abortion rights in our state constitution. The other thing is the Respect for Marriage Act that was just signed into law, or the Disrespect for Marriage Act, signed into law by President Joe Biden, will probably look even worse in states like mine, to where we do not have the support of state government. And so there will be some coming litigation uh, for people of faith who hold to traditional views on marriage in my state.
4: That'll have to be the last word, but hey, it's the end of the year, and a lot of folks are looking to do some year-end giving, uh, giving to charities, uh, giving to not-for-profits, giving to organizations. That do great work And I can't think of two That do better work Than the two organizations That you represent If folks want to give And keep the work Of New Yorkers For Constitutional Freedoms Going Jason Where can folks find you? Newyorkfamilies.org And uh, Pennsylvania Family Institute It takes money To keep it going And you guys uh, Need some help as well Where can folks find you, Michael?
3: Pafamily.org
0: Thank you, gentlemen. Capital Connection airs Thursdays during the Noon Report or online anytime at FamilyLife.org. Just ahead, the goofiest world records of 2022.
1: Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. A storm system that has produced ice and snow and a messy, mushy mix of both and more. Slowly pulling away now in its wake. Lake effect snows will ramp up this weekend. Snowbelt areas east of Lake in Ontario, look out. The call for this afternoon wet snow continuing across central New York. Could be another inch or two there. Elsewhere, cloudy with some bits of wet snow and some sprinkles. Temperatures nearly steady. Lake snow kicks in late tonight east of Lake Erie. Otherwise, cloudy with some flurries tonight. Low temps, 20s, and low 30s. For the weekend, intervals of clouds and sun with flurries. Heavy lake snows, though, east of Lake Syria and Ontario, including Metro Buffalo, as well as Oswego, Oneida, and Lewis counties. There, accumulations could exceed a foot. Elsewhere, just scattered flurries. Weekend high temperatures mainly in the 30s.
0: Finally at noon. Ladies and gentlemen, here's tonight's top ten list. Let's go. Sorry, David Letterman, we only have time for seven of the weirdest Guinness World Records set this year. Let's go! That's power. Suction power. And that's Jamie Keaton, record holder for most drink cans suction to his head. Ten! He says an unnamed skin condition makes it work.
2: Later, I'd like a bowl of alphabet soup.
0: Jacob Chandler of Oregon found and alphabetized all 26 letters in a can of alphabet soup in just over two minutes. He says the M's and W's were the trickiest. I get that. Vermont <laughs> teen Ariana Wonderlay set the mark for longest tightrope walk in high heels almost 700 feet but then there's Californian Greg Foster he downed 10 Carolina Reaper Chili yeah the name says it all in 33 seconds says Greg it was pretty painful
5: <laughs> not gonna lie
0: and by his own admission the aftermath was not pretty come on David Rush found fame by blowing a pee across a level floor for about 85 feet bless his heart Mr. Potato Head, Mr. Potato Head. A child at Heart Lim Kai Yi of Butterworth, Malaysia, made history by assembling a Mr. Potato Head in 5.43 seconds. It's a great pumpkin! And we end with one, Dwayne Hansen, owner of the record for sitting in a giant hollowed out pumpkin and then plopping it into the Missouri River and paddling it 37 and a half miles. We could only hope he then jumped right into the river and rinsed off thoroughly. And that, dear listener, is the world we live in for Friday, the 16th of December, 2022. Thanks again for listening. Have a blessed weekend. I'm Mark Webster, Family Life News. You've been listening to The Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.